Thank you for listening to the Divine Nobodies Podcast with Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe so you never miss a show. If you're on Instagram, please follow us at Divine Nobodies Podcast and join our ever-growing community of lightworkers and spiritual visionaries. Together, we can raise the frequency of our planet and bring in a new era of awakening and understanding. Welcome to our tribe. And now your hosts, Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. That awakening and that inner standing. I don't know if you, people notice that, but what she's saying is inner standing and not understanding. Although both are good, but I don't know I if didn't you know that. caught that. <laughs> yeah, it's our intro the, and I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, inward inward standing. It's just I a like little that. Take pretty much on the same thing. You know what That's I mean? That's like a new vocabulary word for me, inner standing. Yeah, it's like just switching words that we're commonly, you know, know a certain way and just kind of flipping them and putting a different definition on those. And I instead like of it. being under, putting yourself under inner inner yeah. we're directing that sort of understanding inwards so there like you go like when you're hangry exactly like you're hungry and then it makes you angry exactly and then when and then when you're super hungry you can add an af to that <laughs> so it's like hangry af the only reason why i bring it up is i have a friend that created like this almost like a semi-clothing line called hangry af and it was basically she was a major major foodie and she is still a major foodie and um a lot of these um, t-shirts that she makes are just little funny puns, little funny um, food puns. So it's really interesting, really good stuff. Interesting. Okay. And there are a lot of funny food puns out there, Jen. There are. Yes. Yeah. I actually got uh, a friend of mine, Allie, um, Z Gallery had this little plate set and it was puns about vegetables and fruit on each one of the plates. And uh, Allie is the queen of puns. So I got her the whole set. They're oh, pretty, yeah. I don't remember any of them, but I remember they were funny. Everybody has one of those people in their group that's just all mm -hmm. about the food puns, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And those are typically the ones that get hangry AF when they haven't gotten their their food, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Did you see that yeah. meme with the two mushrooms? Uh, no. I, I would probably recognize the pun if you remembered what it was, but I haven't yeah. seen that one yet. It's two, it's it? two mushrooms, and they're laying on a plate spooning, and it said, oh, really? move, I would move over, but I don't have mushroom. Oh, my gosh. That's great. And the the the, the more ridiculous they are, the the, the better. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I, there's a lot of them. I don't remember any offhand, but maybe we'll do another episode on uh, hangry food puns. Okay, I like it. That'd be a good one. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in to Divine Nobody's podcast. We're gonna devote this episode to something that uh, we're all familiar with, and that is the realm of chakras. Chakras. Ch chakras, Jen. You know the funny chakras. thing about this that I, I really find interesting about the New Age movement, especially now in contrast to 2012, is in 2012 is a little bit more tame. You had, uh, um, you know, the, the primary sort of like um, fixtures in that era were like the Marion Williamson's, the Deepak Chopra's, Neil Donald Walsh's, Barbara Marciniak's, and um, more or less kind of used them as a source. And they're still around. They're still definitely making work. But uh, the New Age movement has increased so much that it's kind of just uh, blended into the fabric of pretty much our culture and the zeitgeist of um, sort of the time that we're in right now. And one thing that I think about when I think about chakras are these sort of like pop culture memes that we see on Instagram nowadays. Do you see those? Mm -hmm. And they're funny because they have this sort of Western spin to them, which I'm a really big fan of because I'm a huge fan of, of integrating spirituality into the sort of modern world. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a few of them that I can just reference offhand. And uh, these are memes that I actually see online every now and again. But these are examples. It says, 
Choose your partner with your heart chakra and not your root chakra. <laughs> and then the That's second cute. one is when you're one unbalanced chakra away from losing your shit. And there's a picture of like, um, I think that the, the sister in The Simpsons just like all cracked out of her mind. Lisa. And then the other one is Elisa, exactly. And the other mm -hmm. one is if anyone sees me screaming in my car, it's fine. I'm just clearing my throat chakra. <laughs> you know, there's a really cute th throat chakra one. It's um, it's brass knuckles, and then they have crystals on the outside. And it oh, said, yeah. "I'm getting ready to realign someone's throat chakra." <laughs> oh yeah, that's hilarious. I've seen that one too. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it, it it's, it's a little bit more profane, I think, than that. It's just like when a motherfucker needs their their chakras realigned. Yeah, yeah. And it's like the brass knuckles with the crystals coming out of the, yeah. uh, the, the knuckles. And you see that and you're like, all right, all right. But the one that kind of set the gears rolling with that whole thing was this uh, meme that I saw a while back of the basketball player Shaq. Mm -hmm. And there was just a picture of him in lotus pose. And it just had all his face as the actual spinning wheels of the chakras. And it just says chakras, chakras. on it. <laughs> I love it. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It, it's cool that it's it's made its way into sort of pop culture, and I support that um, definitely because I believe that everything is spiritual. So, whatever way that you can kind of integrate at, that into your life and develop delve some humor in it, I think is a, definitely a good thing. Okay. So that's what we're going to talk about today, which are the chakras, which are the seven energy centers that we have in our bodies. And would you say, uh, out of all of your your chakras, Jen, which one of the chakras would you say you resonate the most with? Oh man, um, probably I would say solar plexus. If I had the to, solar plexus, yeah, that that'd probably be because that's whenever I'm meditating, um, that's where I go to. Like that's like mm -hmm. the source of my energy, not necessarily my heart. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you notice every every person has um, a more prominent sort of chakra, even though we use all of them, and there are seven ones that we have that are, are common to the the new age world, but. If we go really far in there and we reference the work of like the Upanishads and the Vedas, which are Hindu scriptures, they talk about up to about 114 different chakras that the human being has in and around their body. And just to break that down, there's two outside of the physical body. Uh, there are four that are unchangeable, which means that they're just a part of your sort of spiritual self. So that leaves 108 that are attached to the body that can be changed. And we can break those down into two sets, which are 54 masculine chakras and 54 feminine chakras. Mm -hmm. And in, in Hinduism, they break it down to sounds. So there's definitely a science, a science involved when it comes to chakras, but we're not going to go through all 114 because we'd be here for a long time if we did that. A long-ass time. A long-ass time. Yeah, no one got time for that. Nope. Yeah, so I we're going to go over shorts. the... <laughs> it was too short. We're going to go over the seven chakras. And each one of these chakras um, attribute a certain quality to the human experience. I myself, um, I, I tend to alternate between my third chakra and my, my third eye. Of course, my, my last name in the, the podcast is Ajna, which is uh, the third eye chakra, which is divine sight. So uh, we alternate between all seven of these chakras throughout our lives. And depending on where we're at in our journey, is going to decipher which one of these chakras is activated. And I think that's the whole goal of the, the chakra system is to try and illuminate all seven of those things, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And uh, so we're going to go over each one of these chakras, but first we're going to, you know, start by asking kind of like these questions, like what are chakras and what happens when these chakras are blocked? Oh, yeah. And, you know, 
And oh, yeah. we hear that a lot, you know, like in these circles, it's like, oh, my chakra's blocked. I've spoken to at least a, a thousand people within the last, I want to say, five years that you, that's come up in a conversation <laughs> at least once time. They're like, hey, we're working on my chakras. This one happens to be blocked. And really what that means is that depending on what chakra it is, that chakra needs work. And chakras traditionally are seen as like these spinning wheels, mm-hmm. spinning wheels of these vortexes of energy that exist on different areas of your body, right? Right. And, and doesn't um, it matter which way it's spinning? Like if it's spinning backwards, that's not good. It's supposed to be spinning clockwise. Yeah. Yeah. You can get down to the science in that way. And there's also the the sort of theology that it spans about five feet in front of you and around oh, each one of your chakras. Oh. Yeah. So it can, it, it encompasses more or less almost, almost like an aura. Like your right? little field, your own little energy field. Yeah. Your own little um, energy field. And um, yeah, so it, it spins and in Hinduism, actually, they, they think that it could also be triangular, Oh, which is something that you don't often hear. No. Yeah, Sadhguru, um, one of the, the gurus that I follow, um, believes that they're, they're triangular in shape and not necessarily like a spinning wheel. The one thing that I noticed about chakras is that there's a, a certain uh, part of that whole system that we sort of westernize in a lot of ways. There isn't a whole lot of history about why the chakras are colored the way that they are. Yeah, I wanted um, to know that. Why is the heart chakra green? That doesn't yeah. make any damn sense. Yeah, right? there's there's a lot of theories as to um, why it happens. Um, there's, a, a, there's a whole color spectrum and how sound integrates with um, color. We're not going to get too much into that because realistically, if you go online, you try and figure out why the colors of the chakras are a certain way. You're you're not you're going to get a lot of just um, anecdotal type of information. Mm-hmm. But I think the goal of the chakras that we're going to talk about are uh, basically what they are, what they symbolize okay. in our journey, and we'll see um, what it means to fully operate from either one of these seven chakras and then all seven of these chakras all together. So I think the the first thing for chakras is it's it's almost like a metaphorical journey. It's a symbolic um, for consciousness expressing itself in this reality. And if you've ever gone to college, which I imagine um, most people have, or even if you're not familiar with, you've probably heard of Maslow's hierarchy of basic needs. Mm-hmm. And my uh, Maslow's hierarchy is like this triangular, just like we have like the food pyramid, mm-hmm. right? And at the very base of this pyramid is survival. And at the very top of this is, is almost like a, a divine sight sort of thing in the same way that we see the, the chakras. So the whole basis of the, the, the chakras is basically represents the spirit's journey into fully illuminating the consciousness and the divinity within. And so we have to start somewhere, you know. So to break it I down. Never, I never would have correlated Maslow's hierarchy of needs with chakras, but they totally correlate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I'm sure. Exactly, because the root, if you're just going to start at the beginning, which is the root, it's mm-hmm. at the, the very base of your spine, it equates to survival. Maslow's hierarchy of basic needs is the exactly the same thing, which is survival. Yeah. Survival, financial, independence, money, food, those things. Exactly. It's everything that a human being needs in order to get up to basically the next, the next chakra. And I want to break this down before we get into the definitions of um, what these chakras are and what they represent. So each chakra has a certain note that is attached to it. And the reason why I want to bring this up is because it will give you a good example of how the spirit accelerates through to the thousand-petaled lotus, which is the the seventh chakra. So if you look at a scale, there's seven notes. There's C, D, E, A, G. I mean, I'm sorry, C, D, E, A, F, G, A, B. 
Mm-hmm. So you can almost look at that as like do re mi fa so la ti do, mm-hmm. right? There's uh, these are specific sort of sound frequencies, and when you start at the C, which is the root, you go from a very sort of deep tone to something progressively higher. And the reason why um, these notes are assigned to certain chakras is because when you play a C, for example, on like a crystal singing bowl you can feel it more towards the lower extremities of your body where your root is located. And then if you go up to, say, perhaps like an A or a B note on a crystal singing bowl, those notes are a lot higher. You feel those more up here. They're more cerebral. So just in the same way that these uh, energy centers are assigned to certain areas, these notes are assigned to certain areas of your body. And just in sound healing, it's all about um, trying to penetrate the body through those certain fields which activate those chakras. Oh yeah, so, I've had some some incidences with gongs. So there's oh, a yeah? couple gongs that give me like major GI distress. <laughs> so, oh really? Yeah. That happens. Uh-huh. That happens. I mean, I've been in a lot of different sound baths, and everybody's different. And and uh, depending on who you talk to, they can say that you know, maybe those chakras are blocked. Mm-hmm. There's uh, some work that you need to do in order to like fully embrace the the sound of these gongs because ultimately they're supposed to make you feel good. Mm-hmm. And they'll say that if they don't, then there's a, there's some blockages there that you need to go through. But at the same time, there are just some people that don't like the sound of things, certain things. Yeah, you know, you know it was actually the earth gong that, so that yeah. I guess that kind of makes sense because it's a lower, a lower sound. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So in in that that same thing too with the planetary gong, they're they're tuned to the um, orbital you know properties of the planets, and they like vibrate yeah. at a certain frequency that penetrate these chakras a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then the seven notes could also correspond to the the God creating the world in seven days. So depending oh. on how you look at it, the number seven um, definitely has uh, significance if you're looking at um, numerology and stuff like that. So if we start at the the base of this spine, which is the root, and we'll go over these qualities. So the ultimate goal with, with the chakras is that we're trying to go through the motions of being a human being. Mm-hmm. And as we go through the motions of human being, we learn as we go through our journey through the chakras about what survival means, about what it means to be human, what it means to ultimately become spiritual, and then what it ultimately means waking up to the divinity within and illuminating that third eye and recognizing God within yourself. And you can't just... Somebody that doesn't just come uh, from nothing. There's a there's a set of um, requirements and almost ex- a set of experiences that needs to take place before you even start getting the feeling of that spirit operating inside of you. And those requirements, more or less, are illuminated through the chakras. So the very very base of the chakra is the root. Mm-hmm. You know. So the root is responsible for our survival. Yep. You know, and, and survival, that's at the very core. That's like the most primitive aspect of who we are, right? So when you're born, you're looking for things like shelter. You're looking for things like food. Mm-hmm. All these things that it's not, even a, 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 it's not even a question of wanting or desiring. You're biologically wired to want to survive. And at the very, very like basic part of that, you don't even need to think about those things. There's something in deeper inside of you that knows that you need to eat, that knows that you need to survive. Mm-hmm. So even if you're think, not thinking about how to do those things, you wait long enough, your body will make you do those things for you. 
Oh, for sure. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever yeah. have uh, moments where you're you're um, you would say that you're operating from your root, or maybe your um, root chakra has been blocked? Um, yeah. So I think that my root chakra has been blocked for a really long time because some of the physical manifestations you can get from a blocked root chakra are arthritis, constipation, um, bladder or colon problems, um, and any kind of, uh, insecurities with finances or your basic needs with your well-being will, you know, initiate these problems. So, you know, I was raised pretty poor and, um, mm. i really struggled with all of those things pretty much my whole life. So, yeah, yeah. I think I went a long yeah. time with the blocked root chakra. Yeah. And that's a common, that's a common struggle too. And, and, and just so everybody knows, this isn't a linear path. It isn't where, you know, you have to illuminate your, activate your root chakra before you can get to, you know, your, your sacral or your solar plexus. Like you can have three or four chakras activated at once it's just about trying to get them all synchronized in the same yeah. way that you want to want to integrate your your ego and your spirit. It's a practice. It's one of those things that will go up and down and back and forth. And it's not about arriving to like a certain place. It's just about using it as a practice and using it as a stepping stone for awakening. Because I've gone through that too. Like my root chakra, I've I've gone through um, stuff like that too because I grew up very poor as well. So trying to um, recover from that trauma and trying to establish a sense of independence and a sense of responsibility in my life mm-hmm. has always been a really, really big practice in my life, right. trying to reinforce that. But the one thing that you will know is, is if you know it, how you know that your root chakra isn't blocked is that you're able to concentrate and focus on other things that don't have to do with survival, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if you have, feel that, that safety net and that, that comfort inside, like you have your house, you have food in the fridge, Mm-hmm. You have your car, you have a job, mm-hmm. your bills are being paid. Yep. Your root chakra is spinning like a motherfucker. Yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that thing is is doing you solid. Yep. And it you know, there are the things that can sort of prevent you and, or block your chakra or more or less, I want to say environmental issues. There are other people that can just come by and uh, influence you to start operating from fear and starting to question, you know, uh, your own safety and your survival. This can be yep. like toxic relationships. This can be, you know, problems at your job. Um, this could be mm-hmm. somebody just threatening, you know, the, the sanctity of your space or your life. Yeah. So, Anytime you feel insecure about any of those basic needs. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Anytime you feel insecure. So we're going to go over just some logistics of it. I know we're talking about the definitions, but if anybody wants to get really, really deep in there, it's uh, located at the base of your spine. So it's right, right below your ass pretty much, you know. We're mm-hmm. pretty, pretty much where everything starts, Jen, like right <laughs> at your ass. And the color the of tail. the, yeah, the, the human tail and the color of that, that chakra is red. And the element of that is earth, which for obvious reasons, earth is the, the most yes. grounded place to be because that's where your life begins Thanks. is uh, on earth. And the one thing that I love about chakras is that they also can represent organs in the body. Yeah. You know, different organs. And it says here they can represent the, adrenals the kidneys the spinal column the colons the legs and the bones right so if you have issues with these organs you know you can supplement them with uh, things like vitamins or exercise or even just the emotions that you feel on a day-to-day basis have the ability to influence how the the condition of in the health of your body Mm -hmm. you can cause disease by the things that you think so it's really really important to um Adrenal speaks to you almost like a flight or fight, right? 
Mm-hmm. So I think that's uh, what the adrenals uh, speak to is like the, the idea of panic. And a lot of that happens when we aren't grounded. Mm-hmm. A lot of that happens when we are operating from fear. So at the very, very core, fear is a primitive response. And it is one of the most, um, I want to say, most primitive um, the qualities that we have in, in us because that's that's sort of that quality that we had in the wild that prevented us from being eaten by animals and bears and shit like that. Right. So... In a high-stress environment. I mean, that's yeah. that's a real thing, too. So if you have mm-hmm. a super stressful job, um, that also breeds feelings of insecurity, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the negative qualities of the root, um, it, it can be self-centeredness, insecurity, violence, greed, anger, and overly concerned with one's physical survival. Tensions in the spine and constipation. So all types of bad shit happens when your root chakra isn't aligned. You may need that guy to come down with his little brass knuckles and... Have your chakras realigned for you. That's right. That's right. And yeah. uh, isn't aren't they kind of categorized with ages too? Like uh, your root chakra becomes fully developed between one and seven years old. It's possible. I haven't heard that. That's interesting, oh, but it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Each chakra has like their own, you know, age range whenever they're fully, fully developed and fully realized. Yeah. And that, that should, should spin and spin and Yeah. It, it, it makes sense because that's one of those things that, even if you're not privy to the chakra system, which most people aren't, right? You know, like you, you're not five years old knowing which how chakras work, because for the most part, you're probably your family's probably pushing that Christianity on you, or <laughs> some form of just you know fundamental some Christianity form of control, or something. <laughs> exactly. So that that chakra thing doesn't come until way later. Right. So the chakra system doesn't necessarily help you out, but if you're looking at just the way that a human being develops mm-hmm. as a child, you're running on pure instinct at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, that instinct is uh, is operating those primitive functions in the body, which is the need to eat. You know, when kids are hungry, they'll tell you when they're hungry. That's true. And when kids, um, they need a whole lot of stuff, and they don't know how to communicate it yet because they haven't developed the emotional awareness or the intelligence to do it in a more eloquent way. That's right. You know, so it makes you, sense that the root would be that. Yeah, yeah. And if you're having any of these issues, you can correct any of your chakras through meditation, through yoga poses, um, or breathing practices. So there's, there's definitely different poses that are associated with each chakra too, if you're having issues there. So with this one specifically, um, the tree pose helps, helps you become grounded. I don't know a ton about yoga, like very basic. I took a, a yoga class as my PE credit in, um, in college. So that's the extent of my yoga training. Yeah. Yeah. And there are also just, you know, practical things that you can also do. You can also get Reiki, Reiki yeah. done. One of the, the sure major can. things that they do in Reiki is they scan your body for sort of impurities and they can also tell you if your chakras are um, not spinning correctly. And you can just focus some of that prana or that Shakti um, uh, energy on that space. And that can kind of get you going. Of course, the, the one thing we commonly hear is just eating high vibrational foods, which are things that aren't mm-hmm. really dense, things that come from the earth. Mm-hmm. And just find a good balance with that, you know, so. That's always a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, especially right now, especially yeah. right now, if you want to escape the COVID, want to take care of yourself and not have to be stuck in that sort of flight or fight or that survival. One, turn off the TV, don't watch the news. And then um, <laughs> First, two, start there. Start there, start there, uh, everybody. It's really, really important, especially right now, because, you know, the polarities are very strong. Mm-hmm. And we want to not fall into the, the the clutches of Mara, which are essentially right now what we're going through is kind of what Buddha went through underneath the Bodhi tree, where both of the polarities, the good and the bad, 
are are so loud, loud to the extent that it almost is encouraging us to pick a side. And mm-hmm. the, wor- the worst thing that you can do is do that. Mm-hmm. So you want to just operate from awareness and see both of those things and acknowledge the fact that that's what they're trying to do and to just ground into your space and to just remember the fact that you're still a part of the earth and there are a lot of really beautiful things about life outside of the, that crazy shit. Agreed. Agreed. You know oh, I mean? and vitamin D. Lots of vitamin, vitamin D. D. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so important because there's so many people that are working remotely right now. Mm-hmm. And, Not in the sun. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm one of those people. I know that you are as well. Yeah. And I have to make it a regular practice to go out into the sun and get that vitamin D. Even if yeah. it's for like five, ten minutes photosynthesizing yourself, it's really, really important to do that, you know? You know, I've, I've lived with an autoimmune disease like pretty much my whole adult life. And um, even in my early 20s, and I lived in Texas and I was in the sun all the time, uh, I had uh-huh. low vitamin D then. So it's really common yeah. if you have um, an autoimmune disease or any kind of like weakened immune system to yeah. uh, have it correlated with low vitamin D. So, um, yeah. and African-Americans typically have lower vitamin D as well because they don't spend, um, because of the color of their skin, they're not able to synthesize uh vitamin D uh, as easily through the sun. So well, that's interesting. So w- when you were growing up with that, that vitamin D deficiency, how does that like manifest itself in your life? Do you just feel tired? Um, you know, I, I don't feel tired from the vitamin D. I feel tired from the disease because your body is constantly um, working against itself. So mm-hmm. um, on a cellular, cellular level, so it, it's really exhausting. But I've been on medication for so long, I feel pretty good i feel pretty normal i think yeah that is yeah yeah and, and <laughs> I, I i couldn't i couldn't tell you look yeah. fine to me thanks yeah so we're, we're going to go up to the next one so say we're we're a child we're going to look at the the chakra system as if we're kids right now because yeah. at the very mm-hmm. basis of that that's kind of where we start right we we um, mentioned children being just very innocent um they haven't developed that emotional awareness um they haven't developed language there's sort of like this, this frenzy of energy trying to find itself. And mm-hmm. once it gets to that point where it does, the spirit starts to awaken just a little bit more than it did before. And that's when we move up to the navel chakra, which is the, the sacral yeah. or the sacral And pluses. this is around 8 to 14 years old, which I don't know about you guys, but right around that time is when I was figuring out what sex was. So yeah. not doing it, but, you know, asking about it and, you know, yeah. listening to your friends saying that you can get pregnant from kissing and things like that. Yeah, the kids, kids, they all kinds oh, of, the they start feeling shit. all kinds like, of crazy shit, like yeah. for sure. Because I remember during that that age, it's like they're, you're, you're dealing with the, the biological, like the hormones in your body that are starting to say, hey, like you're here, I'm here, or we're both here, we're all here. Let's uh, let's try and do something about this. There's like this. The it's still the body sort of reaches out to the soul and says, "Okay, like this is this exists," and now we're going to heighten that realm of experience by kind of uh, bridging your curiosity with truth and potentially practicing these things. And now, given the the, the soul, the sacral doesn't just equate to sexual energy, although um, that is a part of it. But sexual energy doesn't necessarily always just equate to having intercourse or wanting to date or start dating other women. If you can live, if you look at the, the creative force of God, you could also look at God as at the very base of that. It's actually sexual energy. All that is, is creativity. 
you can almost look at God as it's just almost like this sine wave of electricity and energy, and it's wild. It's neither good nor bad. It is, it is just this sort of wild energy, and it can go in whatever direction it wants to go. So when that sets, we're going to go over the sacral. The sacral can represent your creativity, mm-hmm. right? Because around that time, I think kids also start to uh, figure out what it is that they're good at, what it is that they're like. Mm-hmm. You know, like what yeah. the, the they start to develop almost like a sense of self through that creative impulse that kind of moves through them. Right. You know, how would you say that you were? Um, how were you when you were a kid? Like when you started, like the, you know, getting a feel for the things that you were interested in. You know, creatively. I was al- yeah, I was always interested in art, and um, whenever you're poor, you don't have like a lot of toys. So you know, yeah. uh, things like coloring books and colors that are cheap that you can get from the dollar store. That was kind of like what we had as toys. So I always drew and colored. Shh. That was my favorite thing to do. So I think that's where it started. And then I was in art classes pretty much my, you know, whole high school career ish. Uh, and I, I, I think, think that. I think that our parents do, um, we also inherit uh, uh, just like a muscle, right? I think like chakras can be looked at almost like muscles too because there are there are certain qualities that we inherit from our parents as well. Oh, if my sure. father was an artist. So was mine. And one, yeah, <laughs> exactly. One can say that, you know, they did a lot of that sort of cellular memory and strengthening that chakra, that sacral chakra mm-hmm. for you in some ways because I just came out the gate flying. Like I was really into um, music. I was a drummer. Was drum, Drums were like my first instrument. Then I moved to guitar. Then I moved to bass. Then I moved to singing. Then I moved to making music and doing that whole thing. And um, my father was a musician and he also was an artist, as like a painter, airbrusher as well. So I would say that that's all, a lot of that is um, sacral energy, mm-hmm. you know, so if it, and it comes from your dad, right? So my dad was also an artist. The whole epigenetics yeah. talk that we had about how some things are just inherited and um, mm-hmm. emotional things, but also uh, physical attributes and and talents. So yeah, I definitely got and that from my dad. My sister did too. She's uh, a incredible artist as well. Yeah, and there are some people that are just they're graced with that sort of gift of having a lot of that kind of sacral sexual energy and it's not a bad thing and there's definitely nothing to be ashamed about it's just about how to channel that correctly you notice how kids (laughs) when they start waking up to that at 14 15 years old or maybe they start experimenting with sex or they start experimenting with like fooling around and stuff like that Mm -hmm. that's a completely natural process yeah you know and it's a it's a perfect example of that sort of wild energy just untamed wanting to do something with it Mm -hmm. so usually at that point it's really about trying to channel that energy, even as an adult, you know, like, uh, the, the, you know, we, we never really lose that unless we do. But if you learn comfortable ways of channeling that creative energy, you can make really amazing things. You can turn actual, like, sexual energy into artwork, oh, into yeah. music. Because if you oh, think yeah. of music, right? You think of people that produce music, what are the best songs? They're all about that love. Are out there. They're, They're all about every- love. They're all about love. Mm-hmm. They're all about love, and that is all. That's all. That's all sacral. That's all sexual energy. So it's definitely not about just about having sex. You can do that, but the the spiritual sort of dimension to that is take that energy, harness it, putting it into something beautiful that's lasting that can influence and affect other people, mm-hmm. and put it in a beautiful song. You know, it's yeah. it's one of the I guess one of the most potent things for me as a Libra is I love me a good love song, Jen. I know you do. I love Little me. lover I, over I, there. I send you. I send you songs, right? I, and I've they're sent all love Jen, songs, yeah. 
Yeah, I've said I've sent I've sent Jen songs like on and off through like the last five years, and they're just when I when I listen to songs, I I don't I like listening to songs with lyrics, but I'm at this point in my life where I like I like a feeling that a song gives me. Mm-hmm. There's like a certain tone to it where it's almost beautiful and also sad at the same time. It just depends on how you show up for it in that day. Yeah. You know, it depends how you feel in that day. And that's the most, that, those are the most beautiful songs that you can turn them on. And if you're happy that day, it's a happy song. If you're beautiful that day, it becomes this really beautiful soundtrack of introspection for you. So when a song can be both happy and sad at the same time, to me, that's a song that sort of captures me because it represents like the whole experience and drama of life, you know? Mm-hmm. I like it. And it's interesting yeah. that the chakra is associated with the element of water because anytime I think about sex, I think of water, right? And free flowing, not like flowing of energy. So Yeah, absolutely. And that's a really, really great metaphor too because when you're tapped into that, sexual energy it almost is like a wave if you ask any artist why they do or where where that creativity comes from a lot of them will just say like i don't know it just comes it's like it's hard to define inspiration like it's hard to define creativity when it comes it just flows and the second you start overthinking creativity and the second you start overthinking you know um, art or music or anything that you're good at you notice you get in your own way right you know you you start to hiccup even me like sometimes when i do the podcast i want to be prepared for what i'm going to say but more more often than not i find that when i'm too prepared i can't be fully present and open to the conversation because i'm thinking about how it what should you're be say next yeah what i'm going to say so <laughs> yeah. i've learned to trust myself with that process mm-hmm. and just flow and i think that's what most people just need is to trust in the fact that they know how to flow and and um and then they call it the flow state, mm-hmm. which is, you know, just naturally just flowing with your own natural intuition. And that 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 takes a lot of trust. And there's a lot of people that are still working with trusting themselves. But trust me, if you've gotten to the place that you are right now, you should trust yourself that you'll be able to move yourself a little, a little bit forward. So For some sure. a few other qualities with the sacral, um, which is giving and receiving. Uh, emotions, desire, pleasure, um, sexual, passionate love, assimilation of new ideas, health, family, tolerance, surrender, working harmoniously and creatively with others. So this is like you are awakening to the the fact that there's there's this force in you. You're not entirely sure what it is, but it's it's causing you to start externalizing source in your life. Mm-hmm. It's causing you to start expressing god in your life through various means like art through anything basically you can almost even just consider it action it's like karma like action it's movement so as long as you're working from your solar plexus you're moving and what negative qualities of the sacral are overindulgence in food or sex (laughs) sexual difficulties purposelessness jealousy desire to, to possess impotence uterine and bladder problems yeah, urinary tract infections, lower back pain, yeah, all of those things. And you can yeah, fix so it with a bridge or a pigeon or lizard pose. Do you know what a pigeon or lizard pose is? Uh, I know. I think I know what pigeon is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This is the I have yoga to look poses. it up. I was like, what the hell is a pigeon pose? And then when I saw it, I was <laughs> like, oh, okay, I know what that is. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, you look like a pigeon. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that. And, and, and this could also speak to... Um, uh, you know, if you're somebody that is 
you know, jerking off like seven times a day, you know, somebody that's like getting lost in things like pornography. I mean, this is creative energy that is really being densified and consolidated and, and, and compressed and, and it's very limited. And there's a lot of shame that somebody can um, delve from just perpetually falling into the clutches of these type of behaviors because uh, it's not constructive and it's not productive, you know? You know, so it's interesting. Perfect- it's interesting that you said that. Remember we talked about that, um, that social media um, episode about the, the therapist that followed the children through high school and yeah. um, discovered all of these sexual ad- addictions and these addictions to porn. Yeah. And um, this is the age group, right? So this is the age group of this chakra that is clearly blocked in, in our, our uh, millennials these days, which I thought totally was makes pretty sense. interesting. Mm-hmm. It, it totally makes sense. If that energy isn't um, being directed into truth and to some form of beauty and some form of expression, then you limit yourself to essentially a wild animal, mm-hmm. you know, because that, that's what I think that's what happens when you're operating, you're not operating from your chakras, you're more or less sort of moving through your life asleep, you start to move almost like an animal, almost like a reptilian, or you're not mm-hmm. entirely sure um, how you're going to direct the energy. So it just becomes like this wild sort of energy, like, oh, I have to fuck something. I have to go out to a club and just pick up on a bunch of women. Like, oh, I have to accumulate a bunch of money. And, um, you know, I'm going to step on whoever it is that I need to step on in order to get it. It just speaks to a large, um, a large amount of just being asleep and not being centered and awake. So, you know, a blocked chakra at the sacral is basically misdirected sexual and creative energy. So if you want to learn to activate that, um, develop healthy relationships with the people in your life, with the friends in your life both platonic and non-platonic, with your family. Uh, Develop a relationship with yourself through creativity. You know, pick up a canvas, paint. Try something that you haven't tried before because you never know if you'll actually be good good at it. Right. Yeah, so it's really being... And you can get at anything with practice. Yeah, anything. If it's something that you're really interested in, go for it. Yeah, literally anything. I I know Mm -hmm. a lot of people, like in my circle, that didn't think that they'd be good at art. And now they're they're selling their art in galleries and they're doing the doing thing. Yeah. You know. I like the it. The best best thing is to is to just try. So it makes sense that that age group would be the type to fall into that. Right. And everybody goes through that. There isn't one person that doesn't go through that misdirected energy. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there isn't one person that still isn't going through that. Cuz that whole chakra spinning, I mean, getting blocked, I mean, we all go through that. There are times where mm-hmm. some people feel frustrated sexually or they they feel like they're they're not creative enough or they have like an emotional block there right you know so the best thing you can do is to just um work with your your own creative flow and and really listen to your body and develop a relationship with your own sexuality which is respecting your body which is you know being good to yourself you know um loving yourself don't falling into that body dysmorphic disorder kind of stuff Mm-hmm. and you know maybe not spending as much time on instagram because it's full of that shit jen full of it you know what i mean <laughs> agreed yes oh my gosh yeah yes. it, that, that's it's a tough thing because we all need to use instagram for various different means and and the one thing that it, it does this sort of exceptional job with the algorithms is it starts to pull all of your different emotions that are tethered to all seven of these chakras in all a bunch of different directions mm-hmm. you know like and and if you're not careful, that thing could just block all that, all those all those chakras, 
and you'll have to work on reactivating those and centering yourself, you know? Yeah. I, um, one of my girlfriends took a, a, a picture in a bikini and I liked it. And then the mm-hmm. algorithm picked up that I liked girls in bikinis. And then th- for the next couple of days, it was just like, you know, girls flooding in girls in bikinis. And I was like, Oh Lord. <laughs> You're like, this is what you want to <laughs> see. Like, this Dan. one picture. Oh man. You're a girls in bikinis kind of gal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know, totally me, know what that's about. I go through that with YouTube too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you see, you watch one video and, and it just starts showing you a bunch of videos like that. And uh, mm-hmm. the organs for the sacral are the ovaries, testicles, prostate, genitals, womb, bladder. Makes sense. You know, oh, did we talk about the stones that are associated with each of these chakras? I don't no, think we did. This no, we didn't, but you eye. can. Mm-hmm. Tiger's yeah, eye? So this one's tiger's eye. Yeah. And um, the root chakra is hematite. Ooh, hematite. Yeah. That makes sense. They, they, hematite's really good for, uh, they say, depression, balancing mm-hmm. that out. It's really nice. It's a really nice stone. I've always liked hematite. Me too. I like the way it looks. Yeah. It's like it was really popular silvery. in the 90s. Do you remember those hematite rings? Yeah, and the hematite bracelets? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I totally yeah, you had to be able to find them in like head shops and gift them to your girlfriend when you were like 15. You're like, here, yeah. have some hematite. Yeah, and then and they were like a like, oh. dollar at the head shop in a big bucket. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like little magnets and they all stuck together. Uh-huh. Yeah. So at this point, we recognize the fact that there is a force moving through us. You can call it sexual energy, but I call it God's energy moving through you. And the reason, and a more practical way of explaining this is because sexual energy creates life, mm-hmm. right? If you go in a relationship and you have sex with another person, you can create a baby. You can create a human being out of sexual energy. So that is God. And God creates. And so uh, sexual energy isn't bad. Just learn to direct it. So say we're 14, 15-year-old kids. We're awakening to the fact that we have this sacral. And now we've balanced it out. We've taken on something really creative. We happen to be good at podcasting. We happen to be good at uh, instruments or making music. Mm -hmm. And now we're moving up to the solar plexus. And now we're around 15 to 21 years old. 15 to 21 years old. Yeah, and this is where it starts. To, it's starting to get good because at the solar plexus, uh, which is located pretty much right, right, uh, right above your navel, below the chest, so you can almost look at it as uh, kind of where your stomach is. It almost kind of falls right below your heart, and the so the solar plexus is uh, responsible for sort of like a divine will. It's like mm-hmm. once you've awakened to this sexual energy, you want to practice it. You want to express it. There's action involved with the solar plexus. And so the qualities of the solar plexus are will, personal power, authority, energy, mastery of desire, radiance, warmth, awakening, transformation, laughter, and immortality. So it's like you understand your position in contrast to those around you, and you want to make your mark on the world. Mm -hmm. You do that through the solar plexus. It's like, how can I take the sexual energy, that the the sacral energy, and what I learned from the root and implement that into our 3D, 5D existence. So it involves um, putting yourself out there, and it involves uh, kind of breaking out of your comfort zone and making your mark, making your own special sort of unique imprint on the world. And it makes sense because the element of the solar plexus is fire, and fire represents action. Action. Mm -hmm. Fire represents movement. And this is another one that I think is colored odd because it's colored yellow. That soft fire. Yeah. It's that soft fire. That, that candlelight the, fire. Yeah. Yeah, that that, that candlelight fire. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I love that. I love uh, that fire energy is something that 
I had to learn to really integrate into my life because I have a lot of air in my sign, mm-hmm. you know, and air can kind of get lost in the clouds. It reminds me of that um, Alan Watts quote where he's like, well, what is enlightenment like? He's like, it's like regular everyday life, but like five feet off of the ground. And that's kind of like how I like to move through my life because my 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 son is uh, Libra and then my moon is Gemini. Those are two air, double air. Mm-hmm. So I have to really, really work on being grounded and and being centered. And I think really embodying fire energy really helps me put action to my ideas and really helps me implement that. And so when the solar plexus is working correctly, there's like a fire to your cadence. So there's like a fire to your movement. Like you're getting shit done. Mm-hmm. You move to LA in order to try and make it big. You go and you make an album. You go and you make a record or you decide that you want to be an influencer. Or you decide that you want to start making YouTube videos. Instead of thinking about what that means, you'll go out and start buying shit trying to put that image and that vision together. And if you're somebody that's looking at a more spiritual path, you're somebody that is developing a practice, developing, say, 8 o'clock a.m. every morning, I'm going to meditate. 9 o'clock p.m. at night, I'm going to meditate before bed. There's some sort of sadhana, morning sadhana that you have or some sort of practice that kind of throws it all together. It's just action, you know? Yeah, I do know. I'm also a double ear. That's funny. Yeah? I, I knew we had the same moon, but yeah. Wait, wait, what is your rising though, Jen? It's Aquarius. Aquarius. Mm-hmm. So you have you have a, both the sun and rising in Aquarius? Mm-hmm. Wow. Because you have a lot of fire energy though, you know, yeah. because you're somebody that I know that like is a doer, like you do shit. Yeah, you make shit I am happen. a doer. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like you're always, you're always making stuff happen and you're like one of the most persistent people I know as far as like making things happen and doing things. <laughs> well, have you struggled with the, the the air in your sign how do you think that like comes out in your life yeah i don't know because i don't feel like i'm i feel like i can always be doing more i feel like i don't do enough does that make sense yeah. even though it like does. my my cup is my plate is full and my cup is running over with shit to do i mm-hmm. i feel like oh i could i could probably squeeze in something else <laughs> yeah so yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the, and you could, we could also look at like our signs and I had a conversation with somebody about this the other day. It's like, if just because you're a Libra, just because you're an Aquarius, you will have those qualities. But just like what Gem Goddess says, they could be like a default um, quality. They're, they're mm-hmm. basically your, your baseline. They're where you're at, what you need to overcome in this life. But you could also um, work beyond just your the, the, the attributes of your son, just through experience. And you can take on the qualities of Aries. You can take on the quality of Taurus. You can, you can. T- you're not just destined to your sign. You can always right. evolve. And I feel like that's pretty much like you or I, because there's a lot of other qualities that I tread into that are more um, Taurus, that are more Gemini, more Pisces. We all have different qualities of these different signs, and I imagine that's where it comes from with you. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. uh, no surprise here with this, uh, with the chakra, what the stone is. I'm going to let you guess. You probably already know, but yeah. it's a 311 song. 311? Yeah. Oh my oh. gosh, Jen, you're taking me way back. <laughs> I haven't heard 311 in a long time. Yeah. Something is the color of her energy. Oh my gosh. What is it? Oh, this is the start of every good Adam Sandler movie. Um, <laughs> Amber. Oh, Amber. <laughs> yeah. Amber? Oh, that's the color. That's the stone. Yeah. The stone, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. That's the stone for the chakra. <laughs> I can't believe you remember that song. <laughs> I remember, like in the '90s, like when that song "Down" I think came out. Oh yeah, everybody loved it. Everybody oh, loved yeah. Three Eleven. I didn't realize that they were like an OC band for until like a much later, right? And then they covered uh, the Cure's "Love Song." Oh, I love that version too. So good. 
put a house full of yeah. liquor. So yeah. that's a tough there one. Was, but they they were like their own separate group in the corner. The people that like three the three eleven. And yeah, I just sort it, of said hi, did what's up to them on the way to um, on the way to where I was going. <laughs> totally, yeah. You, you loved them or you hated them. I know a lot of people that that hate them, but I always loved three eleven. They they represented like a certain time of life. Oh like yeah. I, I was talking to my uh, my sister about this the other day. It's about like now, you know, back in the nineties, early two thousands. Like I didn't like the Backstreet Boys or NSYNC mm-hmm. or any of these sort of like pop uh, poppy type of bands. No, I, didn't I wouldn't either. say that I. I like those bands now, but there's something about how different life is now that when you hear a song come on the radio that happens to be Britney Spears or, you know, NSYNC or even alternative rock bands, because I was more in alternative rock, there's something comforting and nostalgic about it. Oh, totally. It isn't that I like the music, it's that it represents right. a certain time. Limp Biscuit. Can't stand yeah, Limp Biscuit. But anytime yeah. I hear it, I'm like, oh, nothing reminds me of the 2000s like Limp Biscuit. Yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 not that I like those those uh, songs or that music. It's just it represented a certain time, and if you really pay attention to it, um, it can it can be pretty innocent. But also, there was just a simplicity to that time that I really enjoyed. Me too. You know, I know a lot of people in the new age movement right now. They're listening to more new age type of stuff. You know, like Snot Tom Carr and uh, the Trevor Halls and the uh, Naco and Medicine for the People and different bands like that. And EDM uh, sort of is in the fixture of that. And I love EDM, like Odessa and like um, Jai Wolf and stuff like that. But there's every aspect to every person that I know that listens, even to spiritual music now, that still remembers that time, that remembers that time. And if that yeah. song happens to come up on the radio while you're on a road trip to like Zion and or and, and, and driving down to Joshua Tree, like everybody gets down. You know, oh, yeah. everybody, it's just, it's just a good feeling. It's like hearing Girth, Wind, and Fire September on the radio. Oh, like yeah. you weren't alive during that time, you know? But do you remember the yeah. 21st you, of you, September? Yeah, <laughs> so you have to dance to that. I saw them at the, <laughs> um, at the uh, Hollywood Bowl like last year. Yeah. Yeah, and That'd it was awesome. an amazing show. And I wasn't I'd alive during that. that time. Did they dance? Just, was it choreographed? They did. It was awesome. Oh, the one thing awesome. that I did notice about that show, though, is that the volume wasn't very high. Really? I didn't, I didn't understand that. Like, you go to an EDM show and they blow the shit out of your ears. Oh, yeah. You leave but you go death. to an Earth, Wind, and oh. Fire show and it's like you could straight up, like, you you could have full-on conversations and it, 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 there's, there's, it was, the music wasn't as loud. Yeah. And I think it probably had something to do with the age, the age, right, the age bracket of the people that are, went there. Because mm-hmm. I had trouble hearing it. You know, Interesting. so it was a good show though. It was a good show. So negative qualities of uh, the solar plexus is taking in more than one can assimilate and utilize too much emphasis on power, uh, recognition, anger, fear, hate, digestive problems. And of course, because mm-hmm. the, the solar plexus is right here on your chest. I mean, that's where your, your spleen and your, you know, your stomach are. So, and a lot of what powers our energy and a lot of what powers our movement is food. So if you want to have a clean, sort of strong solar plexus, if you're taking in like really solar-powered and charged food, I imagine that'll help your solar plexus just sort of spin the right way. But at the same time, uh, the negative aspects of the solar plexus is, you know, uh, too much emphasis on power, recognition, and fear, which is overly identifying with what it is that you put out in the world. Say you mm-hmm. make a good song, you get a lot of good feedback, and then you start walking around like you're hot shit, and you just stop talking to your friends, 
and you start identifying with, you know, the artist formerly known as like shit like that, <laughs> yeah. you know, like remember who you are along that journey. Right. And uh, keep that, keep that balanced, you know? So we're at the point now where we're, we're making an impact. Like we're, we're putting something out there and we're saying, oh, and of course we're developing a sense of self at the same time, right? Because mm -hmm. the way that we kind of figure out and cultivate who we are is by feedback, and failure is feedback and success is feedback. So as long as we're putting something out there, there's going to be people in the world that say and reinforce the fact that you exist. So at this mm -hmm. point, you're starting to understand where your place is in the world. Absolutely. And at this point, because you've probably interacted with other human beings, you're starting to almost get to the point of what love means through a relationship, through uh, collaboration with others, through creative endeavors. And that's when you get to the heart. Oh yeah! And the oh, heart we chakra. missed something. We missed something on the um, on the uh, solar plexus, though. Is um, the negative uh, things that can happen to your organs? So if you have oh. ulcers, heartburn, eating disorders, or indigestion, mm -hmm. and just oh, yeah. a FYI, here's a little tip for you guys: if you are um, getting older, like we are. If you are coughing for no reason and you may think it's allergies or, you know, you just have this cough that won't go away, uh -huh. um, that is a hidden sign of acid reflux. So if you are coughing a lot, start taking um, Zantac or Tums or something to help reduce the acid. Actually, what would even be better? Don't take anything. Just change your diet. Change Stop your eating diet, acidic. Yeah. yeah. Stop eating acidic foods, um, spicy foods, yeah. meats, and alcohol. And yeah. your cough will go away. Yeah, especially right now with COVID, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, people are, I mean, I, Postmates has become a household name. Seriously. Same with, you know what I mean? Like I use Postmates and all the, the time. Fees. And the, the fees. fees. I'm ready to just pick up my own food. I mean, it's like an you extra well. 15 bucks. You yeah, might as well. It's crazy. It, 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 it's crazy. It, and it's, it, I don't know. I have so many different feelings about a Postmates because at one end when you're 9.30 p.m. or 10 o'clock at night and you're like not wanting to go out anywhere, mm -hmm. you can just pick it up and you can just order anything and then you can just have it delivered. But then you look at the fees, it's like five, $5, $6 for delivery and then you get like a small cart fee for not ordering enough and then it just piles up. Yeah. Anyways, And then the, the delivery point, fee and the driver tip and the service fee and the you know, a napkin fee and the straw fee. <laughs> the I mean, it's ridiculous. Fee. You know, it's funny these uh, these drivers, and you know, much respect to them because they're they're doing the Lord's work, right? Mm. So Amen. they they have all these different ways in which they try and make those tips. I totally understand because they probably don't make that much, but they do. Like somebody will drop off food and they'll call me on the phone. They'd be like, "Hey, I just wanted to make sure you're doing okay, that you got your food, and that you know you enjoyed your experience." And like talking to me like we're like best friends, and I appreciate the sentiment for sure. But they're really making that paper over there, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I admire the hustle. Yeah, you gotta admire the hustle. I but the whole I get the point. What we're saying is that like it's it's easy to overindulge. Yeah, you know. It's, e it's easy to, to overindulge with Postmates, especially right now. So it's really about balance, you know, watching your portion sizes, um, not overindulging, not eating at like one o'clock, one o'clock a.m. in the morning mm -hmm. and then going right to sleep. Go you know, things that are just, just almost like just, you know, like day one kind of stuff. Like you just want to take care of yourself. Watch what you eat and don't get too crazy with the hot Cheetos, you know? Yeah, that not so common common sense. 
Exactly. The not so common common the not so common common sense. Is it Alan Watts? Somebody asked Alan Watts what enlightenment is, and he's like, it's just the reevaluation of common sense. It's really what it is. Because we, yeah. we noted a lot of people uh, go through this process of like operating awake and operating asleep, but really all enlightenment is is just being fully present with what's in front of you and trusting yourself to move and just flow through life. And as simple as that. So at that point, say we're taking care of ourselves, we're eating, you know, like salads and kale and having smoothies and shakes and, you know, we're going to cacao ceremonies and we're doing sound sound baths and we're doing all the doing things that a normal sort of urban yogi would do. Okay. <laughs> and then we start developing a sense of self and all the people in our lives, we've at this point probably developed friends through our interaction with other people through our creative um, adventures and just through parties and experience. And it's at this point where we start to awaken to the heart, yeah. the heart energy. Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. And around this time, we are 21 to 28 years old. Oh, yeah. That's about the time I started getting really super Libra-like and romantic. Yeah. You start you know? to really come into your own and know who you are. Not yeah. fully. I think you really know who you are whenever you're in your 30s, but... I think in, in your late 20s is whenever that starts to come on and you're like, oh, I think I'm, I'm getting the hang of this. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I, I completely 100% agree. It was during those times, I think in my early 20s to mid-20s, where it, I started um, really paying attention to that. Like how, how what is that I showed up in relationships? Like mm -hmm. who, I, who I was in relation to somebody else. What it meant to cultivate and nurture friendships with people, both family and friends and the chakra is a really special special chakra the reason why is because if you get to that point where your your heart chakra is activated it is the bridge we can almost look at it as a bridge mm -hmm. yeah because the second you get to your heart chakra and you go to all the other chakras above it it bridges your physical with your spiritual because everything after um the heart chakra is really about recognizing the fact that you are a spirit recognize the fact that you are working in collaboration with God and everything after that point is really about how to implement that love in your life and mm -hmm. sustain it and develop a practice with it, you know? So, of course, uh, the heart, something we're all familiar with, and the heart is uh, obviously at the center of the chest. The color is green, which is, I agree with you, the colors seem like yeah. they're all over the place. Right. Um, the heart should be red, that, right? Heart, Everybody knows. Yeah. Yeah, the heart when, should be red. When you're two years old, you're drawing hearts in red. Everybody yeah. knows hearts are red. But That's true. okay, green. They're, and, they're green. Make, and, it, <laughs> and it makes sense that the you know what the element is for the heart, Jen? Um, it is air. Yeah. It makes oh, total sense. Hey. Yeah. It's like, all right, all right. That's okay. where the air starts to shine. So the functions are um the qualities are divine, unconditional love, forgiveness, compassion, understanding, balance. So mm -hmm. you're 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 awakening to the fact that you ha you understand what love is, and this doesn't necessarily just mean that it's all good. You can go through the process of getting your heart broken and understanding what it mm -hmm. feels like right. to hurt and love, and also to love another human being through both good and bad situations. You know, good and bad relationships. Right. There's there's a fundamental basis behind everything that you do at this point where the heart chakra is activated, where everything comes down to love. You know, you have a conscious, yeah, a conscience. You have a sort of a moral compass that kind of guides you through your life. 
and you're trying to preserve that with every interaction that you have with other people. And um, this is where the quest starts. This is where like the real journey starts. You really get, uh, build momentum once your heart chakra is activated because the heart is what powers your entire body. It's what powers everything. Mm-hmm. So we're starting to become more integrated. So I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, love is love is just how you love and show up for other people. How you love whatever your love languages are, whether it be physical touch, words of affirmation, gift giving, acts of service. Everybody has a love language, and learning what that is is uh, definitely part of the journey. And at this oh, point, yeah. it took me a really long time to figure that shit out. Really? Yeah. What are your love languages, Jen? Oh, acts of service. Yeah. Yeah, that's my number one. I nothing turns me on more than when Jeremy does the dishes. <laughs> Shit. Really? Yeah. I would that's rather so him do the dishes than buy me a gift. Yeah. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Do you rather him like uh do the dishes than like um you pretty know, much anything else, yeah. Anything else? Like a like a <laughs> like a massage or like kiss yeah, on the I don't cheek? really I don't really like to be touched. I don't really like people in my space. Really? So, yeah. Oh, wow. It's so yeah. interesting. Everybody has their own forms of how they express love because you're a very loving person. It's just you have your own ways of how you express that. Yeah. You know. But I don't, I, I, you've known me a long time. Do you, I'm sure you've noticed I'm not like overly touchy. Like, I don't no, really like people no. touching me and I don't go toward people to touch them either. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you, I, I meet people where they are, mm-hmm. you know. Like I, I, I think that's a large part of just um, the, that sort of spiritual journey too, is you start to become intuitive as to how people give and receive love, you know, because mm-hmm. I learned love languages and I know how I want to be loved and it looks different for everybody, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I approach it in the very, very much the same way that I approach like um, religion and spirituality. It's like, as long as you practice uh, is is love and compassion at the basis of everything that you do? Um, I can respect and honor any any way in which somebody chooses to express how they love other people, you know. But I would say that you're a loving person, and just in the fact that like you show up, like you're a good friend, and yeah, you're like you're always there. So that's a good thing. It's that's a good quality. My, that's actually my Chinese zodiac too. I'm a dog, so yeah. we're we're known to be very loyal friends. Yes. Yes, Jen's very loyal. And I pissed her off something awful a few times and she still she still comes back. So, you know, it happens. It, 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 happens. it happens. But you know you know how you love others more easily? Hmm. As if you love yourself. That's so. true. Mm-hmm. That is probably one of the greatest teachings of the heart chakra. It sure right? is. Because it's easy to go and, and, and uh, try and love other people. Like you can tread into the realms of uh, codependence and uh, reliance on other people. But the one thing that I learned from, you know, the lesson of, of, of love and especially a heart chakra centered work is just learning how to love myself. Because mm-hmm. the way that you love yourself is obviously how you show up for other people. So if you're not That's good right. to yourself, you're going to bring in partners that aren't going to be good to you. And it's what you're going to recognize as comfortable. And just because mm-hmm. it's comfortable doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. So it's really important that we develop a relationship with ourselves and then it will just sort of naturally, just like me and you talk about in a lot of these podcasts, it'll just naturally attract people that want to love you. That's right. People that want to invest in what it is that you're doing. People that want to follow your practice, that want to buy your product, that want to listen to your shit, like your your songs and your buy your art. Mm-hmm. If you radiate that love and that confidence, not in a self-centered way, but just in a, a humble, humble way, 
you'll just naturally attract those people in your life. You know? It's true. Yeah. And it's so true. And so the negative qualities is uh, of of the heart chakras, repressed love, emotional instability, out of balance, heart problems, and uh, circulation problems. Mm-hmm. And asthma and weight gain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those are all things that happen when we, we, we don't love ourselves, right? We start like just buying like tubs of Ben and Jerry's ice cream and we sit mm-hmm. in front of the TV and we don't get enough exercise. It's like speaks to a large, um, a large part of us not loving ourselves. Yeah. And, and if you don't oh, love yourself, you're going to develop and, those issues. And obesity is the number one risk factor for heart disease. So, and yeah. sitting around with your Ben and Jerry's at two o'clock in the morning is not going to help your heart. It's all connected. It's all connected. It's all connected. So, you know, emotional instability, that speaks to what, what Jen was just saying about learning to love yourself. You know, so when that chart, so at this point, we've developed that, that sense of, of knowing what it means to love ourselves, or at least we have some idea of it. We may not be the best because we're human beings and we're, we're essentially, we're, we're realistically flawed. We live in a Western society that kind of throws your emotions all over the place. So some days you'll feel activated and some days you'll feel loving and some days you just want to throw shit at the wall. doesn't matter as long as there's a, a willingness and a practice involved in helping us sustain something, something consistent, you know? Yeah, and if you need a little crystal help, this is an easy one. What do you? What crystal do you think is associated with the heart? The, of course, it's going to be the rose quartz. Yep. Is that was that right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's. I'm, yeah, I'm sure there's the, lots of other. The, the love stone, right? The stone of love. Mm-hmm. Love the love stone, otherwise known as the stone of love. Yeah, and so, when, if you're at this point. And you're climbing up the chakras. And the next place that you go, once you understand what it means to love yourself naturally, what happens at this point is we want to communicate that love. We, because we've developed a sense of self pretty much at this point. We have our, our house, our, our, our jobs, our sense of stability with the root. We have some sort of practice with the sacral, some sort of creative sort of um, imprint that we're leaving on, on life, whether that be through work or your career or just creative endeavors. And then you have the, the will at the solar plexus that is driving that ship to make things happen. Mm-hmm. And then once you get to that point and you're interacting with other people, your heart is activated. You get the reciprocal sort of energy from those other people that are saying, hey, I see you. I want to follow you. And uh, you develop your tribe at this point. And once you develop that, become a lot more comfortable with who you are and communicating your truth. And that's what the throat chakra represents. That's the next uh, chakra, which is your throat chakra, which is communicating your truth. That's right. And at this time, we are now 29 to 35 years old. Oh, yeah. I'm right right at the throat right now. Yeah, you're right there. Right there, baby. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's an important time. You know, many people that are listening may not know, but there is a period of time in my life where I would be afraid to get up in front of large, large numbers of people and talk. Public speaking wasn't my sort of expertise for a long period of time. I had more introverted qualities when it came to that. And so I was more of that sort of introvert in the in the corner where I was very observant. I took on a large part of the world growing up and I was a very, very quiet person. Mm-hmm. 
right? And once I started getting into uh, spirituality and loving myself and working with those chakras, suddenly I started to feel this need and this desire to want to communicate with other people. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. communicating and learning from others. And it's been a long process. And this podcast is definitely still a practice for me, you know, and a practice of me activating and constantly nurturing that throat chakra. So throat chakra can be represented as speaking your truth. Well, I think that you do a great job. You're a very eloquent speaker. So I feel like your throat chakra is spinning. Oh, spinning, spinning, spinning. spinning. Yeah. Spinning like those, those like rims from the early two thousands. That's right. (laughs) Oh, spinner rims. Oh, I forgot about that. Did you have, did you have spinning rims, Jen? No, no. No? That's the crazy thing is people at one point thought that those were actually cool. I know. Yeah, that was the thing. You can't even find them. Can't find them on the road right now anymore. That's so true. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. I totally forgot about spinning rims. Yeah, but those were like an ordeal for a while. Yeah, whenever you stop and your rims keep spinning. Yeah, and you keep spinning. Mm -hmm. And I remember like pulling up and people being like, wow, that's awesome. No, I don't don't know. (laughs) I don't know if they're awesome anymore, Jen. What do you think? Do Do you see spinning rims around anywhere? I have not seen spinning rims since the 2000s. Now that you brought that up. Yeah. It's been a long time. I haven't either. You know what I haven't seen yeah. either? That uh, Honda Civic SI. You remember that bright blue color? It was like a blue oh, yeah. purple color that mm-hmm. they made the Honda Civic SI in. I haven't yeah, seen no, one I of those in forever. No, I haven't seen, I haven't seen one of those. I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't seen one of those. I had this conversation with somebody the other day about like, you know, because we're, we're reaching like such a, an accelerated path when it comes to technology. You know, we have mm-hmm. like the Teslas out there right now that are like zero emission vehicles and they're leaving like zero carbon, you know, footprints on, on the environment. And I think mm, of like people true. that are still, I'm still, I'm still, I'm, I'm thinking of like people that own like Chevy Bel Airs from like <laughs> 1950s and 1940s that are just like right out the gate. They just smell like they're just, you know, they just, they smell like gas and they smell like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like they're bad for the environment. Right. Are those guys, can you, do Do you think those people still drive those cars with confidence that they're doing something cool? Or does it, based off of kind of the time that we're in right now, is it kind of like an asshole thing to, to drive your car as old as that is? Well, I had a classic car, so I can, I can speak to this. I thought it was pretty fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't drive it. It wasn't an everyday driver, right? Um, I and most of those cars aren't. 67, yeah, a 67 Camaro. It's like and, a, you drive it on a Sunday kind yeah, of car. It, and honestly, it, you drive it on a Sunday and you can't really drive it that far because they overheat. And um, and then, you know, you only get like six or eight miles to the gallon. So you're not really going that far anyway. And then yeah. if you're going to do anything social, you know, usually it involves a cocktail or two and then you're not driving home. So it ends yeah. up getting parked somewhere overnight and then you Uber home and then you have to go back and pick it up the next day. It's a pain yeah. in the ass. But long and short of the story is I thought it was pretty cool. And yeah. I also have an electric car and I will say that they are not better for the environment. And here's why it's because electricity comes from, doesn't come from the sun. Like we all think, you know, yes, there is solar energy, but still at this point in time on the planet earth, most of our energy comes from gas. So they're actually not better. They're actually yeah. about the same. So. Yeah, my, my, my father had like an old Datsun from back in the day. And I don't know, people just like the cars that they like. And I remember just going into his car as new, as, as, as uh, 
cool as it looked. It just always smelled like gas. Mm -hmm. They like do always. Smell, I love the smell of gas though. If I get it on oh. my hands, if I'm pumping gas and I won't wash them, I like the way it smells. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I like know. That's probably dangerous. <laughs> yeah. This is not no bueno. That's going to, that's going to block all your chakras, Jen. Well, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So I watched one of the gem goddess videos and we're going to get to that after the throat, but, um, about, uh, fluoride in the toothpaste and how it blocks your third eye. And I was like, Oh, oh shit. I've you, had fluoride in my toothpaste since like the dawn of time. Oh my God, Jen. Really? Yeah. You I still have fluoride asked. in been, my toothpaste. I didn't know yeah, that. No. <laughs> yeah. You got to get that Tom's fluoride free toothpaste. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Cause that, that will, that will calcify your pineal gland. Yeah. Right. So if you're telling me that like maybe sometimes you have trouble with dreaming or sometimes you have trouble with uh, other things, like could be mm -hmm. because your pineal gland is being just constantly getting its ass kicked by that fluoride. You know what I mean? You know, I did a, um, a meditation today and I was trying to visualize my pineal gland, my third eye, and it was foggy. I felt like I had a contact over the top of it that was old that I slept in and, you know, I hadn't washed in a couple of days. Yeah. You know that yeah. app that we were talking about the other day, Illuminate? Yeah. Use that more. Use that more for third eye stuff. Okay. Because cool. the one thing that happens with me when I use it is I feel my third eye. It doesn't even get, become a question of me needing to focus or concentrate on it. Mm -hmm. It's like I can feel it. And it's just like this weird thing that you can feel inside of your school, almost like this, this little tickle. Like somebody just, like when someone comes up to you and like tickle, I don't know if you're like one of those people that doesn't like being tickled. Oh, I hate it. Oh my gosh. I'll pee my pants. You look like someone that doesn't like being picked. Oh, I hate it. Yeah. You look like someone that throw down if somebody tickled you, but it feels like that in your, your third eye. Yeah. And it's such a peculiar feeling. Anyways, try, try the Illuminate app and, and see if uh, maybe you can get that third eye working. We're, 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 we're skipping, we're, we're skipping, yeah, we're, skipping. we're not we're even skipping at the, the throat. throat. Sorry, sorry. Get back to the yeah, throat. We're, to the we're throat. at the throat chakra. Well, we're almost pretty much done. So pretty much at this point, you're speaking your truth. Mm -hmm. At this point, uh, maybe you're somebody that is becoming more confident within yourself as a person. Mm -hmm. Who you are is becoming a lot more clear. Just like you said, you get to this point right around your 30s and 40s. And this, this is like a, a large realm of influence for a lot of people. You can pick up a mic. You can become a writer. It's really imperative at this point because you've probably gathered a lot of wisdom. Mm -hmm. and, want and experiences. To, and experiences. Yeah. And you want to share that. Almost even just as a compassionate impulse for people that are younger than you. Mm -hmm. of what it is that they should do. Maybe not what is it what they should do, but just a living example of, you know, what'll happen if you go down this path. I mean, we do a lot of that with this podcast where we're not telling people what to do, but we're just sharing our experience and sharing what may work or may not work along the journey. And I think that's what spirituality is, is it's not necessarily a path that has a destination. It's more of a, an, an ongoing conversation because life is so complex and spirit is so complex and the number of ways in which you can arrive to source is so complex that the only thing that you can do is just take what applies to you and leave the rest. Mm -hmm. You know, take what applies to you and leave the rest and just continue along in your journey. So if you're at your throat chakra, you're speaking your truth. And uh, if this chakra is blocked, uh, you can come down to things like, um, like social phobias, like fears of speaking your truth, fear of being seen, you know, a fear of illuminating your light and sharing your light with the world. And, um, you know, the throat chakras are really, really important, important um, chakra. So negative qualities of communication, obviously, this can manifest itself in relationships where you're not communicating effectively with your partner. That can lead to a lot of confusion. That can yeah. lead to you guys just getting pissed. Gossiping. Gossiping. Speaking without thinking. Yeah, ignorance. 
depression and thyroid problems because your thyroid's up in her. Uh-huh. It is, yeah. And issues with your teeth and your mouth and your gums, issues mm-hmm. with your tongue. Yeah. This is important too, because at that age, you know, you're obviously starting to get older. So it becomes more imperative that you take care of yourself and not use fluoride toothpaste, <laughs> you know, and um, just start being more like uh, impeccable with your words, mm-hmm. being impeccable with the things that you say and taking accountability and things like that. So if that chakra is working the right way, you're speaking with conviction and you're speaking with uh, sort of like a, a fundamental baseline of truth. You're not trying to hurt other people. Mm-hmm. And and uh, if you want to know what crystal is associated with this, it's aquamarine, which kind of makes sense because the throat chakra is blue, right? So the stone matches. Yeah. And um, if you're having any issues, if you're feeling extra gossipy or um, speaking without thinking or feeling misaligned in your throat chakra, scared, scared to speak or speaking too much, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of goes both ways. Um, how you can fix this is with the plow pose. The plow pose. Yep. Don't know what the plow pose is. I don't know the plow pose either, Jen. Yeah. I took a, (laughs) that's probably one of those weird ones where you're like, you're like twisted into a pretzel. You might find it in the Kama Sutra. Maybe. I don't know. Let's look. I'm going to, I'm going to Google what the plow, plow pose is. (laughs) The plow Plow pose. pose. Okay. Okay. And I'll, I'll try to, Oh my God, this is the most hilarious pose. Okay. So this is, this is the pose. Yeah, this is the pose that everybody, if you don't do yoga, you think everybody in yoga does this pose. I'm going to put it up here. Can you see? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, you know what? That, that pose, that, that, isn't, that isn't typically a pose that you see just in regular hatha or even kundalini yoga classes. That's the pose that the people that come in that are like really proficient in yoga and everybody's just sort of waiting at the mat, waiting for the the teacher to come in, and everybody's just warming up. And there's like that one person <laughs> that just like doing all these like complicated and crazy yoga poses in front of you, making you feel like super inadequate. Yeah, and they're just they're like, in, in doing a full pretzel pose stress. and looking at yeah. you. <laughs> there's one called like uh, Sursasana, which is I think the um, standing on your head type stuff. Mm-hmm. You know that one. That's one that you commonly see too. And you see those, and you're like, whoa, whoa this guy's yeah. on some next level sort of wandering sadhu and the Himalayas type shit, you know? Yeah, they have those little um, bench things that can teach you how to stand on your head. Yeah. Where it supports your shoulders, it's up off the ground, so you're actually not like sitting on your head proper, but... Yeah, really what those are, are like, um, they're they're essentially like toilets for senior citizens that go into uh, showers. Yeah. You know? That's exactly what they look like. (laughs) That's pretty much what they... I think that's what they are, but we just sort of started using them for other things. You know, they have like the little walker with like the little opening. Uh-huh. You just stick yeah. your head in it and do the, you know, headstand. All right. There you go. And it's crazy. Like headstand is so, you wouldn't think that it, it it's uh, complicated and it's difficult, but it really is. It really is. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'll do that. I'll like do a headstand against like a wall in my room and mm-hmm. I, I, I get away with it. But trying to do the headstand just on your own, I don't know. But you get a lot of cool points when you go into yoga class and you just find yourself doing a headstand. You become, have to have a lot of core strength, like uh, stabilizing yeah. muscle strength in your abdomen to do um, to do a headstand and yeah. a strong neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. the the plower pose. The plow try that pose. out. Plow pose. Because <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think like in like a kind of a practical way. You're sort of bending your neck a certain way, mm-hmm. and 
it really the whole I, the whole process of yoga is just about being more connected with your body because a lot of the issues that people run into in life is that there's a disconnect between their spirit and their body. Mm-hmm. It's like their body's doing one thing, their spirit's doing another. So yoga just means union. Like that's mm-hmm. that's really what the definition of yoga means. It means union. So union between your body and your heart, your body and your spirit. So these yoga poses, uh, aside of the you know the physical benefits that you get from them, they really teach us how to be present. They really teach us how to be here and now mm-hmm. through interaction with our own body. You know, it's crazy that we even have yoga because, you know, technically life should be a process of just yoga. Everything is yoga if you're integrated with your body, just in the same way that everything is meditation if you're integrated, fully integrated with your body and your heart and your spirit, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then the, uh, the, the element of that is uh, akasha and ether, which is sort of like an unseen realm. We're starting to get into stuff that's a bit more esoteric and stuff that's a bit more spiritual, a bit more ephemeral. And that is mm-hmm. the point. At this point, we're, we're venturing up towards the third eye. And this is where the crazy shit happens. This is, this is the good stuff. This is the good stuff. Yeah. This is uh, the, the third eye, otherwise known as the Ajna Chakra, or you, can al- you could also um, call it the brow, the, the brow chakra. And uh, the element of uh, the brow chakra is light. And this is a really important one for me, um, especially, because when I was young, and uh, I would say that, that my third eye chakra has always been more or less activated just through the experiences that I had. Maybe I inherited that from my father, but I've always had mystical type of experiences. Mm-hmm. Seeing things that weren't there, seeing spirits, seeing random lights. Um, even to this day, uh, when I would get into really deep forms of meditation, um, I'd always see... in you can read about these esoteric teachings with like the Theosophy Society that there's this sort of pale blue light that you see in the center of your eye where your third eye is. Mm-hmm. as a pulsing light. That's a pulsing light. And they call it the blue flame. And I'm, I'm a pretty skeptical person, but I couldn't deny the fact that when I would go into meditation or when I'd have like different experiences on plant medicine, that this would happen, that I'd see this. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if other people have. And some people, some people don't, don't ever get to see it but for whatever reason I was able to. And even though I did, um, I still to this day see it as a very mystical, very mysterious type of thing because I'm not entirely sure why. And then at the same time, um, I also had been able to venture into things like astral projection and lucid dreaming. These are all things that happen when your third eye is open. So basically the third eye represents divine sight. Right. Right. So at this point where all of your chakras are, are uh, running full force, there's this energy. We can even call it serpent energy, kundalini energy in Hinduism. In the Upanishads, they talk about the kundalini is basically the life force moving its way from the base of your spine all the way up to your crown. And as it gets closer, things start to get a little bit more real, and a little bit more intense. And you're going from a very slow vibration to a very fast vibration. Fast to the extent where it almost becomes like air. You almost become like ephemeral. It almost becomes just very, very mysterious because you're starting to touch on the the fundamental sort of building blocks of who source is and what source represents. So once you've developed your chakras to this point, you'll start to be able to see God through your third eye. And I'm not talking about the sort of biblical god like in the clouds i'm talking about you're starting to see through the eyes of god through your third eye 
So when you look at another person, you don't see another person. You see yourself through that other person. You essentially start seeing everything as one. You start to see everything, everybody in your life is the same force, just expressing itself through the multitude of different ways that source can. And you start to see it through the eyes of God. And that is divine sight. And sometimes that can manifest itself through mystical experiences, uh, interaction with ghosts and spirits. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like it can new come psychic through. abilities. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like yeah. new psychic and, abilities. And there's a there's a difference between having a spiritual awakening and having a kundalini awakening. So yeah. uh, a normal spiritual awakening is like a snowflake and a kundalini, kundalini awakening is like an avalanche. So exactly. they're very they're the same, but they're different. So if anyone is listening to this and was wondering the difference, that's the difference and you'll know. It's true. And, 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 you know, you can go online on YouTube and you see people talking about, Oh yeah, I'd like a Kundalini awakening. And it it seemed like the most pleasant process. But when you read about a lot of Eastern um, teachings and books, it's just like this, this tornado that comes through your life and it isn't always the most pleasant. In in Mm -hmm. fact, it's almost the opposite it's like the it'll opposite. go through each one of your chakras just destroying all the little weird houses that you've built and at first it seems like a bad thing but mm-hmm. all it's doing is destroying all the illusion in your life and rebuilding it or being becoming a catalyst for you to rebuild it in a much more loving and harmonious way and when that serpent energy comes from your spine up through your chakras like there was this uh, talk that I saw um, online earlier today by Muji, and he's uh, uh, an Eastern sage um, that talks a lot about um, Advaita Vedanta, sort of Hindu spirituality. And there was a student that was asking him about Kundalini. And a lot of people go to these um, teachers asking questions like that because when they experience Kundalini energy, there's this excitement that comes because it's so otherworldly and it's so crazy. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I notice about Eastern sages is that they don't want you to get too worked up over that because you could easily turn that into another roadblock to truth. Mm-hmm. You can easily sit there and, and want to, you know, um, reap all the benefits of all these, they call them CDs. There are these like gifts that are given to you by source by venturing into these realms. But at the same time, it could also be very dangerous because there are some people that go crazy Mm-hmm. Um, if they mess around with Kundalini energy and they're not grounded enough and they're not mm-hmm. balanced enough. I guess my whole point is what I'm saying is that don't don't try and uh, actualize or try and force Kundalini energy up your spine. Mm-hmm. If it's going to happen, allow it to happen naturally because if it happens naturally, then you will have gotten to a place where you prepared yourself to feel it. Right. But if you're sitting and you're wrangling your body in all these different poses and you're doing breathing exercises and you're, you know, you're, you're spending like, you know, week-long retreats in the darkness inside of a room for seven hours a day, and that you're forcing that Kundalini energy from your spine to come up, like, sure, it may not affect you, but there are some people where it's too intense and they end up going mm-hmm. crazy, you know, and you can have a panic attack or experience some real traumatic shit from it. So the, what that speaks mm-hmm. to is you have to respect the force of God because as much as he is loving, he's also wild at the same time. You know, God's that same force that will love you, but also, you know, burn your house down by having a storm come through and just destroying everything. Right. So it's, you know, you just got to be, so when your, your third eye is activated, you're able to see everybody as one. You're able to, uh, really, really understand what these, what it means to meditate and be present. And, uh, 
you just by default will open yourself up to naturally experiencing these mystical states, you know, seeing spirits, mm -hmm. gifts like psychic abilities, things like that. Absolutely. And if, if you're having blockages in these areas, you may experience headaches or issues with your sight or concentration, hearing issues, um, mm -hmm. and people who, and we all know this person, uh, people who seem to know it all and are yeah. the one uppers that know everything. Um, the one -uppers, those people, yeah. yeah, those people, uh, typically have a blockage in their third eye. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause at that point there's, there's a, uh, the one thing that I noticed when it comes to awakening, like you were talking about earlier, it's like, there's a, we talk about dark night of the soul. There's like this excitement and everybody goes through this where you see God and whatever way it happens to come up, you see it. And then you get this feeling that somehow he chose you. And you get this feeling that somehow you have been assigned to do a very special task. And that may very well be because you are definitely important and you definitely mean something. But the one thing that negatively usually happens is that it becomes an ego thing. Mm -hmm. You start to try and claim God as your own. Right. You start to develop this sort of Messiah complex when it comes to your teaching. And you are become one of those sort of like uh, more spiritual than thou types. And mm -hmm. you don't want to fall yeah. into that because those are ego traps. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be compassionate to everybody on their journey and understand that that awakening and that enlightenment is for everybody. And it looks different for everybody. You know? It sure does. And yeah. the stone associated with the third eye is an amethyst. So an for amethyst. all you February babies, that's your stone. So now that we're amethyst. now we're growing. This is this is our, our last chakra. Now we're mm -hmm. forty three to forty nine years old. Yep. Forty three to forty nine. Amethyst is a beautiful stone. It's just like a universal stone. That's the reason why amethyst is like one of my favorite stones because you can use it for so many different things. It's a good and one. It's so easily accessible. You know, you can go to any crystal shop and find it for like dirt cheap and they're Yeah, beautiful. they're not expensive. Yeah. Yeah, they're not Which expensive. Because nice, so. most crystals are expensive. So that's like yeah, the, I know, right? you can get big, I, nice ones. I asked somebody one time, like, how do you determine how much a, a crystal cost? Right. It like, comes I from the fucking this. earth. Like, yeah, you didn't make it, that. The earth yeah, made that. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I spoke to one of these people that had, you know, their, their license to buy it wholesale and asked mm -hmm. him, like, oh, how, because I went to the gym fair, the one in um, Huntington Beach or Orange County um, gym fair, and I asked, like, how, how do you guys determine the cost? And they said, it just, it, it's based off of how many hands it leaves, like how many hands it goes to. So mm -hmm. there's one person that acquires it and the other person that sells it. And well, the person that sells it and the other person acquires it, and that person acquires it and then sells it again. And then it sells it again and then sells it again. So how they determine the cost depends on how many different people's hands it's crossed. And isn't there's something to do with the color and the grading, right? The clarity, like a diamond, you know. That's true. Yeah, yeah. It just depends on the, the like if you if you see like a grade A amethyst, it looks like juicy. Have you seen a real juicy amethyst? Yeah, they're like a really dark purple, and they look like yeah, they look yeah. wet. They yeah, they look wet. Like you can just like mm -hmm. sink your teeth and do some ASMR shit with it. You know? Ugh. Yeah. Don't don't bite into an amethyst. Don't do it. You'll break it's your bad teeth. For your teeth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your spirit may like it, but your teeth aren't going to like it. So don't, nope. don't bite into amethyst. It's not good for you. But yeah, so at this point, we're, we've arrived to, I mean, at least on our human journey. You know, at the beginning, we're talking about 114 chakras. Well, we're going to go over the ones that are more practical to the life that we live, and which is the last one, which is the crown. And in Buddhism, I mean, it took they call us an this, hour and a half to go over 
these. So you know, I don't that's know if what we it could takes. do all 14. That's what it <laughs> that's what it takes, Jen. Yeah, I mean we could. We'd have to do like a series or something, but the crown chakra in Buddhism they can they call it the thousand petaled lotus. Mm-hmm. Because in Buddhism they look at the, the 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 journey of the spirit almost as a lotus. It starts at the very bottom of the lake where it's all mm-hmm. murky and there's murky mud and, and shit. Gross. Mm-hmm. And it makes its way up through the water until it peaks its head all the way to the surface of the lake and then it just blooms. It just blooms. You know, and that's when you get the thousand petal lotus is where you are completely, completely integrated with source and you're completely awakened. Right. And this is this is the reason why this whole chakra journey exists, because you need to go through all of these struggles in your life. The struggle of understanding what survival is, the struggle into understanding what it means to love somebody, what it means to be creative, what it means to speak your truth, what it means to love. And once you get to that point, then you awaken to something much deeper, which is yourself. Mm-hmm. that spirit inside of you, that it was always there the entire time. But we've been just doing all this work, looking everywhere other than ourself to find it in relationships, getting lost in relationships, getting lost in the sauce of all these different things that took yourself away from you at this point, which is ironic. At this point, most people circle all the way back and arrive exactly where they started and realize that, hey, I was there the whole time that God was there the whole time, that spirit was there the whole time. And once you come to that understanding that like you are that, like you are the source and uh, God is working through you, that's when that that crown is activated. And so the color for uh, the crown chakra is violet. Violet, you're turning violet, violet. Violet. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the qualities of this are unification of higher self and... Uh, with the human personality, which is you're you're fully integrated with your spirit and your body, your mind and your heart, mm-hmm. perception beyond space and time, continuity of consciousness. So basically, you're looking through the eyes of God. You understand that this is who you are, and there are so many beautiful things that happen when you awaken to this and realize this. A lot of people just want to renounce the world. They're like, okay, all that. You understand what true illusion really is. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get lost in money, you can get lost in material things, you can get lost in sex and relationships, but ultimately at the very core, those things don't sustain you or make you happy long-term. And the one thing that will is love, you know, that is like the one force that is sustainable that you'll, that means something. And once you awaken to that, just your life becomes more simple. The one thing that I find really interesting about this journey is that we start at a very simple place. And then once we go up the chakras, we be, things start to become more complicated, more complicated, mm-hmm. more ego, more static, more ego. And then once we arrive to the, the crown, everything starts to get very simple again. Mm-hmm. So it's like this sort of this circle, the circle back to simplicity and source by venturing out, just like Buddha did, thinking that enlightenment was out there just to arrive back to a very, very, very simple simple place. Now, that's not to say that you're going to go to, back to being an animal. It's, mean, it's it's basically meaning that you'll just be simple in the way that you think and the way that you move through life. And so right. the negative qualities are lack of inspiration, confusion, depression, alienation, hesitation to serve, and senility. And of course, the crown chakra is located right above your head. It's spinning there. And... Um, once you're at that point, that's where the good stuff happens, Jen. 
it's true because the crown chakra is linked to all of your other chakras. So, um, they all are working together at this point, but they can also be working against you if you have an issue. So, and against your organs because your crown chakra is connected to all of your organs and your brain and your nervous system. So, yeah. Yeah. So if you're, if you're hanging out with those people that may seem uh, a little narrow minded or skeptical or stubborn, mm-hmm. these people may have a block in their crown chakra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was actually reading um, somewhere that says that, you know, uh, the, the colors, the color spectrum of the chakras, it says when you shine light through a prism, you get the color spectrum of seven colors, which speaks to there's a light within each body. Mm-hmm. And when that light is filtered through the body, when it's filtered through the prism of our bodies, you get the color spectrum. Mm-hmm. So that's like really interesting. That's really cool. I, yeah. I never really thought of it like that. Yeah. We have crystals it, all over because, um, well, in our old house, our new house, not so much, but um, we had crystals all over the place because the, the feng shui was so bad there. <laughs> oh, yeah. You get beautiful yeah. crystals too. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. got good stuff in there. So yeah, yeah buy some, some buy some crystals. So that was that's it. I mean, that's a, there's a it, it, the chakra system really represents the spirit's journey in life, mm-hmm. and this is always changing. The, I mean, in in a, a perfect world, we would want to start at the root and just make our way up. But even as we climb up and we get older, there are going to be lower chakras that get lodged or stuck um, because life happens. That's and right. so, if your chakras get blocked, don't be hard on yourself. Just be mindful and be conscious of the fact that these things happen and just do the work in order to, you know, um, to implement more, I guess, that wellness and that health inside of your body by eating healthy and uh, loving yourself. That's right. And once you get to that place, I mean, definitely good things happen. Yeah, but we went through the whole journey. It's, it's the spirit's journey into understanding itself. And by understanding itself, it's understanding God. And God may reach his hand out of the sky and, and visit you in your dreams or come to you through psychic energy, but don't get lost in wanting to push that because that can, that can become, you know, just a, that, that, can, that can become a, a block to truth, having that whole Messiah complex and, and, and that whole thing. Just naturally just sort of flow with life and life will flow with you and things will be beautiful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Be grateful. Be grateful. Practice gratitude and love love your neighbor. Yeah. Love your partner. Love your friends. Love yourself. Love the your animals. The highest vibration is love. So. The highest vibration is love, absolutely. And it's such a beautiful like journey too, you know? Because you, you think back and I mean the, all the challenges and everything that I've gone through, like when I was working on my root, my sacral solar plexus, there's such a beautiful journey. It's going to be make for a really great life review at the end of your life. For sure. When you're seeing that that sort of uh, those that that film of your life when you're sitting there with the with God or or Source and you're going through all those memories, listening to all those beautifully sad and beautiful songs. That's that's where it's going to count. That's where it's going to matter. Yeah, because that's going to show where your impact is and what impact you made in the world. Anyways, thank you guys for tuning in to Vinyl's podcast. You could find us on YouTube find our videos there good stuff you can um, see the video portions of these because we record these like and subscribe do all the things you can find us on instagram uh, if you catch this and you're on instagram and you want to uh, subscribe there or like us and follow us there definitely definitely give us a shout out 
And if you want to send us an email directly, you can actually just go to our website, divine-nobodies.com. If you don't have a media platform, you can just listen to the podcast right, right on the website. And uh, other than that, we'll see you uh, next time, friends. Namaste. Namaste. Namaste.